Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the Comfort Films podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about The Mummy. Back from May 7th, 1999. <laughs> yes. Yes, I saw this in the theater. So maybe I actually remember saying. I did not see this in the really? theater. Really? Yes, I did not. What? Yep, didn't That's see crazy. it in the theater. Yeah, you got me. Well, I'll tell you, there's a whole deal around this that I remember because I actually saw this in California. What? In 1999. Yeah. What? Did you like fucking date Brendan Fraser too? Like what <laughs> no. else happened? <laughs> no, what Get drinks was... with Stephen Summers? Well, go over the screenplay? Give him my... directorial notes? <laughs> Yes, I was the one who told him not to cover up Odette Fair's face. <laughs> I was like, it's a bad call. Okay. Um, no. I can see that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I actually, my best friend and roommate in college was from California. Mm-hmm. So the first summer after uh, our, the year that she had come to school at Delta State, which was our junior year, um, I went on a road trip with her back home for a couple of weeks. Okay. And okay. that was May, end of May, beginning of June, 1999. Okay. Her boyfriend, Stuart, who's now her husband, mm-hmm. worked at the movie theater mm-hmm. and had passes. Did you get free popcorn? We did. I don't think we got any popcorn. Did you get a drink? I don't think so. Did you I get just, like a nice seat? We were on, I was on the end. That's good. Yeah, like the middle of the, you know what I mean, the end of the row on the aisle. That's good. Um, But I really had wanted to see this. Were the seats reserved by him? Did you have No, but they were free. I didn't have to pay. Okay. This was like 99, so there wasn't like reserved seating at that time, really. Well, you're talking about a couple that was married, so I was thinking there was like a red carpet element involved here. (laughs) Well, they're married now, but they weren't married then. But that's really when you want to romance (laughs) the person, you know? It's like, I have these seats for you. There I don't even. Chocolates, they you know? were just so happy to see each other that like it was probably just to get me out of the way so they could <laughs> hang out. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to see this, so free movie ticket, excellent. So Absolutely. I saw this in Bakersfield. Yeah. And you and I, like I don't know, fifteen years later, ended up at this mall in Bakersfield, mm-hmm. and there was a movie theater inside the mall, and yeah. I had like a weird like deja vu and realized, hey, this is where I saw the Mummy. That's where we saw Rambo. <laughs> okay. Yes, I think that's right. No, you remember that. I remember The Mummy from 1999. But yeah, yeah. it was funny because I really like this movie. It's like very Indiana Jones-esque. Absolutely. But I never had seen Indiana Jones but when I saw this. That's so crazy. And on that same trip, we were planning to go to Disneyland and there's an Indiana Jones ride there. I don't know if there still is, but there was at the time. Mm-hmm. And... The whole family, Melissa's whole family, was like, you can't go to Disneyland and ride on the Indiana Jones ride if you haven't seen Indiana Jones. I agree with them. So I had just seen The Mummy, then I instantly saw like Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. possibly also Temple of Doom, okay, and Last Crusade, but I definitely saw Raiders and Temple of Doom, and I also read like all of the Gene Owl, like, um... Ayla, Clan of the Cave Bear books while I was there, too. How so does that relate? A, How does that relate? It doesn't. Relate? Okay. But it was like a two-week trip, and I ingested so much media during this trip. Yeah. And at the same time, we were also doing stuff all the time. So, mm. I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, 
time is very fluid depending on what's happening. Okay. And when you're younger, I feel like you have more time. Because, like, do. now I feel like I never would have that much time in a two-week period. No. To watch all these movies, go to Disneyland, go to Six Flags, Magic Mountain, go to all these other things, do all this stuff, watch all the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. Like, all this stuff. So, it's just weird. Yeah. But. I Like, when we were younger, like, I remember it's like when you would have a weekend... I mean, that felt like a week. You yeah. could do anything. You could watch like six movies, travel to four different states, go to two amusement parks, make six new best friends, yeah. learn how to drive. Now it's like you snap your... a video your... game or seven. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Now you snap your fingers and it's Sunday night and you're like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, and I didn't need... Like, you know, this, like, bear-like sleep I need now. You know what I mean? Like, I would get up, like, you know, f after, like, four, six hours, if I was, like, really amped, and I would be fine. You know what I mean? I yeah. would just be so jacked up to, like, continue my killer weekend. I would be totally fine. Yeah, I'm still, like, post-COVIDing right now, so for me, it's, like... 12 hours of sleep is really like the bare minimum of what I need. It's look, I am sleeping more than I think I ever have in my life. And it's just bizarre sleep full of super bizarre dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you're post COVIDing too. I mean, we went out on Friday night, which mm -hmm. is like, we haven't done that for a while. No. And we saw streets of fire Yes. And Geronimo in 70. 70 millimeter, just cool, at yeah. Aero Theater in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And I had a massive coughing fit at the end of Geronimo and had to leave. Yeah. I like missed like the last 10 minutes of the movie, basically. That felt so bad. Dude. And then so I was so exhausted after that. I kind of think I kind of slept for like 14 hours or something. So that was our weird weekend. But we also got to watch The Mummy, and we watched it twice, actually. Yeah. And it was really fun. So, it paid off, I guess, in the end that we were stuck inside. Yeah, I mean, getting to watch The Mummy twice was really good. Because there is a lot of information in this film. It's a great action film, but there's a lot of information contained like from the second we get on it and we're hearing the story of pharaoh seti yes. right imhotep anoxana moon anoxuna moon oh, psh, thank you my friend anoxuna moon stay on me because i will blow more <laughs> of these names you know it's like we have you know this crazy story like yeah. this is a movie that was family fair and I know that the gore, there really isn't any gore, but this is heavy duty, right? Yeah. So, it's it's scary. I mean, like, there is, like, this action comedy kind of element again, like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Very big on adventure. Sure. But there's also, like, a lot of scary stuff when it comes to the actual mummy, and he's, like, you know, desiccating these people <laughs> who desecrated the grave. Well, I've got some questions. Well, I mean, and it's interesting. I mean, your questions are probably going to line up with kind of some of the things I noticed this time that I had a different reaction to. Like, I felt that, you know, the story at the beginning is supposed to kind of turn you against Imhotep. Yeah. 
but I kind of didn't feel that all the way this time. Well, okay. It's, it's yeah. I, I don't think Anoxuna Moon. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got it. All right. Ten points. Um, should be like this mistress that's not allowed to be touched. So, like, she's painted, literally. And if the paint is smudged, then she has to answer for it. And I'm sure she would pay dearly. Whoever touched her would pay dearly. And it's like the Pharaoh is married. He's doing his business. This is his side business. And he just has this person locked up. So it's like... It's like a slave operation. This is yeah. fully bogus. And it's, so we have, is. yeah. And then you have Imhotep, who I don't think is engaged with anyone else. He is completely in love with Anoxuna Moon. And yes, they want to be together. Yeah. Now, wasting the Pharaoh. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what option. That's the question. What other had, options did you but... have? Like, the Pharaoh's like all powerful here. Sure, sure. They treated him as like a god on earth. Yeah. So you couldn't oppose him. You know, he has like these, you know, muscle that come in and will like you know, smoke everybody out. But, I mean, on the flip side, Imhotep had, like, the gold man group. (laughs) Yes. Very strong. Yes, but he probably had them because of the Pharaoh having his guys. Yeah, it was like, I mean, there should have just been, I don't know, maybe like a boxing match or just, (laughs) like, some kind of, like, arrangement. Like, maybe they should have been able to just be like, Look, Pharaoh, this sucks it. Yeah. We're piecing out. And then it would have been fine. You know, they could have left in the middle of the night. Imhotep could have been like, look, I've been interviewing some guys. I think this person can be new your your new liaison for the undead. <laughs> you know, he's a good priest, been working yeah. with him for years. Like I've they, mentored him. They needed an out. They needed some sort yeah. of way that they could, like, step out of this arrangement. Because right. the Noxuna Moon... Was not, like, consensually interested. No. And this relationship was seti at this right. point. Right. And she was totally into Imhotep. Yeah. And so, this time, I do kind of see more of this love story between those two. And, yeah, you know, they had to do what they had to do. But Pharaoh, like... Pharaoh sucks. He's sketch, man. Pharaoh has like these old balls. Do you (laughs) know what I mean? You know he has old balls. You can tell. He's an old man, okay? This is a younger person. Now, like, if this was the person that she had chosen, great. But this was not. This was just like, this fucking dude just basically just walked into a crowd of people and is like, I'll take that one. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah, you know? and she didn't, you know, it doesn't matter if that's what she wanted or not. Right. Pharaoh's all-powerful. Yeah. He gets what he wants, and he, you know, can tell people off. And that's basically what we have here. So, like... I'm getting pissed just talking I about know. it. Maybe I would have done the Pharaoh. You're like I don't in know. Zoolander. <laughs> yeah. You're like, listen up, everybody. Pharaoh said he's a dick. Yeah. And, yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're not in on it. No. But, like, that's how I felt this time, too. Like, I actually kind of started the movie feeling really sorry for the two of them. Right. And so it kind of colors the rest of the movie in a way for me because the Magi, which is like this team of these guys who are trying to stop Imhotep from coming back. Right. 
And, like, Oded Fair is, like, kind of their lead dude, I guess, in the desert. His Who name is, is Ardeth Bay. Right. They never say that. I, I didn't catch it. I looked out for names this time. But with Ardeth Bay, what I love so much is that I think I've counted no less than four slow zooms onto his face. Yeah, they love him. Yeah, they, they love this They just love dude. that face. Yeah. And I did, too, at the time. <laughs> I had a huge crush on this guy. And my mom still has a huge crush on this guy. That's awesome. I'll call my mom and she'll be like, oh, that guy has, from that mummy movie, he's really pretty. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> it was really funny. So yeah, they saw they had like this face and they just went for it with that. But I laughed when he said the same thing because at one point you walked out of the room and you're like, oh, tell me if I missed anything. So it's the second time we watched it. Mm-hmm. And you came back, you're like, did I miss anything? I'm like, you missed a slow zoom. Because you did. Well, that's, I mean, that's disappointing that I missed it. Maybe I should go back. Like, just do like a super <laughs> a cut super of the cut. slow zooms. Well, you also said to me that Ardeth Bay was supposed to have, this character was supposed to have tattoos covering his face. Yes. But the director said he was much too attractive of a man to be covered, yes. you know, in Good this tattoo, tattoo. Yeah, that's what he said, which I thought was hilarious. And then also... This character was supposed to die at the end of the movie. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, no, I can't kill him off. He's too heroic. He so is So he heroic. really loves this guy. <laughs> like, he had a major crush on him, too. Well, the thing I remember him the most from is Resident Evil. Remember yeah. him? Okay, yeah. so this is a spoiler, guys, if you haven't done the Resident Evil series. Um, so Carlos is driving, if I remember correctly, like an 18-wheeler. And then he, like, flips it in, like, this sea of zombies. And he has this joint. And then he just, like, lights it up. And if I'm not mistaken, it ignites this entire truck. That's good. Like, so it's like it's like this really super fucking cool way to go down. It's like, yeah, I'm leaving the series, but look how I'm doing it. <laughs> You know what well, I mean? I mean, it's funny because this movie has some zombie elements to it as well. Sure does. I mean, I feel like there are definitely times where like these undead are coming back. Yeah. And it has a real zombie flair. Well, especially it. the part where uh, when Rick O'Connell saves Evie, when uh, Imhotep has her chained up. Yes. And is going to perform, I guess... This body switching ritual? Yeah, or? and he's going to sacrifice her to seal Anoxina Moon's body or spirit back into her body, I guess. I, I mean, guess, yeah. They did a terrible job explaining this ritual both times. I was very confused. Yeah. I was very confused. But before we go more into the ritual, I want to finish this point on the on zombies. The, yeah, so, okay. So, Rick, he takes this sword from, like, a stone statue in the room. And he starts taking out these, you know, zombie mummies. Yes. And he has sliced one in half, and he thinks, you know, he got all the other ones. Like, he kicks one in the crotch. (laughs) There's one he, like, decapitates, and it's kind of juggling its own head. Yeah, he cuts one in half. Yeah. And the one that cuts cut in half comes after him. Yes. Yeah. It, like, is on the ground, pulls his legs, drags him down, And it's just like, oh, wow, we've got a very scary moment happening. Then, like, another one of these kind of zombie mummies is coming with this large stone and is going to smash him. 
And then, like, uh, a zombie, well, I call it a zombie, zombie mummy. I don't know what you would call it. I guess it's like a mummified. I guess these are the the guard Gold of team. Imhotep. Gold team. <laughs> Gold team. Yes, it's Gold Team. <laughs> because they got killed with Imhotep for supporting him. In a horrible manner. Yes. Terrible. Terrible. I, like, I can't believe they even showed They were, that. like, mummified alive, yeah. basically. I mean, that's... Oh, my God. Yeah. I, again, I don't know how, how they did it, but it's very impressive how they made this into a family-friendly movie when we're dealing with a person that gets his tongue cut off. Right, yeah, eyes you know? cut out. Yeah. Well, and I have some other detail that I keep wanting to jump into because I have so many things I want to talk about with this. But there were things that were cut out because I think it would have been like too hardcore. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, you were talking about the zombie hand. Oh yeah. So the zombie hand, okay, is coming by, and it actually has the blade that Rick had. So Rick actually picks up this half an arm with the blade. <laughs> And takes out the legs of this, you know, zombie mummy that's coming at him. With the stone tablet thing. Yeah. Yeah. And as you pointed out, very thankfully, that that mummy fell backwards. So that it doesn't crush Rick, it crushes itself. Yeah. And there might have actually even been another mummy in that sequence as well, holding him down. Yeah, there that was... was the half, the top half. Of okay. the one he cut in half. So we have that's the... who got him initially, and it was kind of holding him down. And then mm-hmm. the stone slab one comes, mm-hmm. and then the hand comes. Okay, so it was those three. It's a really fun sequence, sure honestly, is. and yeah, it is kind of very zombie esque. Um, but yeah, if we can revisit like the deaths of the guard and the death of Emotep, please. So Emotep is even worse off than his guard so the guard they like mummify them alive it's gross it's gross yeah. you see a lot of gross stuff happening yeah it's painful like you can imagine it but Emotep is wrapped in rags his tongue is cut out and he's buried in a sarcophagus and then they pour, like, all of these scarabs onto him. Ouch. And they, you know, those are these beetles that we see later that just can, like, decimate and eat someone in, like, one second. Yeah. But there's this backstory that I don't know if this was in, like, the novelization or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's it said that, and they kind of do refer to it lightly, that the reason when they open up Emotep's sarcophagus and he's still juicy as they say what a term gross what a term yeah (laughs) is because he actually lived for a very long time through this process because he had like sanctified flesh so these beetles would eat his flesh and then he would eat the beetles and keep himself alive. Oh, wow. And then they would eat him, and then he would eat them, and it would just, like, keep perpetuating Uh inside the sarcophagus for a very long time. Like, there's some supernatural kind of thing going on inside there. And we do see at one point where he's almost rejuvenated himself. Yeah. And that beetle kind of crawls up into his face. Yeah. And it comes out where, like, he doesn't have skin, and then it crawls back in, and he eats it. Yes. So, you know, there's a reference, I think, to this kind of lore 
that just didn't make it into the movie because it's probably too gross yeah. to think of. And Arnold Vosloo, who plays Emotep, was actually wrapped up in these mummy wrappings and immobile for like four hours oh my god during that shoot i'd freak out man he did freak out but like I, i'm i would have freaked out so much more <laughs> like I, I don't think i could have done that like i can't even lie still in bed yeah <laughs> without freaking out yeah so like i would have been like kicking and bucking and all kind of stuff and it's, like, such a nightmare to me to, like, be encased in, like, a small space like that. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, they put the top on the sarcophagus and the, the character of Imhotep, like, there's scratches on the inside. And, like, he wrote a message that said death is only the beginning. Like, it's really horrific for me to think about this buried alive type thing. Yeah. I mean, buried alive is something that really gets me also. Um, I've seen in movies people be buried alive. I think of an Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode, and this is from, like, the reboot that was 80s, 90s, okay? So here's the deal. It was like this, I think he was a drug dealer in South America, and his car flips, mm -hmm. and he's completely paralyzed. Oh, my God. Yes. And so, like, they think he's dead, and he keeps trying to get people to know he's alive. And people, oh, is this where they're like doing the autopsy? That's how it ends. Yep. And well, what happens is that like he can move his pinky. And he's like, I can move my pinky. Maybe they can see it. And if I remember correctly, the autopsy at the end is someone that the, the person that performs the autopsy at the end is somebody that he screwed over. Oh, wow. So it's like, even if they know he's alive, which maybe they do find out he's alive and they just like saw into his brain oh anyway. God. Yeah. It's it's a very terrifying episode, so that stayed with me. Stephen King wrote a story of that later. Okay. Um, where the person like moves the pinky and they stop the autopsy because they realize he's alive. Okay. But yeah, it's it's still like creep creep city to me. Like that's so awful. Well, it's one I also have the other one of um in scrooged mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. he is in the coffin oh, no and they're putting this coffin in so that he can be cremated and so you see the door shut on the oven and you see the flames no no you know what i mean no there was like a ryan reynolds movie B buried called buried yeah. i think and i haven't seen it because <laughs> we put it on and, like, two minutes in, I was just like, nope, 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 nope. I mean, that's one of the mm -hmm. few movies I've ever just been like, no, I gotta go. I can't yeah. do this. And, like, I watched some hardcore crap, but I just was, like, out. Like, that was where I just had to call it quits. Oh, and, the, oh, God. And the last one, again, major spoiler. Um, so, I don't even know how to say because as soon as I say the name of the movie, you know that's what goes down in it. So, uh, okay. The movie The Vanishing. Yeah. Buried Alive. Yes, there's a Buried Alive moment in Vanishing. And that is that is the close of yeah. the film. Yeah. He wants, it's a person who wants to find out what happened to his partner because she disappeared. And he relentlessly hunts for years. And someone says, 
yeah, I took her, but I'm not going to tell you what happened. You have to experience what she experienced. Yeah. And so he agrees to that. And yeah. It's he, bad. Oh, my yeah. God. Wakes up in a coffin. Oh, my God. No. Do you no. know what I mean? Like. It's it's no. Yeah. It's scary stuff. Man. All right. Well. That was a tangent. <laughs> that was a tangent. Well, but it's, it's pointing out, like, the creepiness of what's going on in yeah. The Mummy, which... You know, again, is family type of a movie, mm-hmm. but it is scary. Like, there's still a lot of scary elements to it. I mean, the beetle things, the scarab beetles Ooh. are scary. They look very CGI now, but mm-hmm. I remember when I saw this in the theater, I was, like, squicked out big time. Well, those things coming into your body, it's just like, I'm used to it now, so it's like in my head, I'm thinking about, like, jokes, punchlines, you know, but, like... <laughs> I, at the time, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. You know, when the warden character, right, he takes the, the scarab out of the wall, and he's excited, but then it comes to life. Yeah. And then it goes into his boot and up through, his you know, whole his whole body. Oh, my God. Like, And then it ends up in his head, and it's oof. just, like, running around in there. And that's when he, like, just runs straight into a wall and smashes into it and dies. Horrible. It's, I I mean, (laughs) here's the funny part. When I saw, you know, this beetle running around in his body, I thought that was kind of like the after effects of a pepperoni pizza on me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Just, just, you know, wreaking havoc. Just, yeah. Just heartburn, gas. Causing trouble, running around all in there. Yeah. That was kind of it. That was kind of it. So I... You know, I had that to shield myself, you know. Yeah, and then the beetle comes back and attacks the brother. Um, and Rick is able to, like, cut it out of his skin before it gets to his head. And then he blows it away with the <laughs> pistol, which was pretty cool. Which is great. I mean, you know, I love how he's so quick with the butterfly knife, Rick is, and is just able to cut it out of Jonathan. And I also love the fact that there's no wound, there's no blood. You know what I mean? He just, like, gets right in there and gets that out. He is, yeah, he's skilled, and I love that. I love that about him. You know, Uh Rick is a man of precision. So, I mean, yeah, when he gets that beetle out of him, it just, it feels so good. You know, in the way that, like, you know, when you have, like, a really horrible headache, you know, I always think about mythology. Oh, yeah, with Athena. Correct. That's good. Yeah, like Zeus says, I have a headache, bring an anvil, you know, just crack it open. They, you know, do that, and then his daughter, Athena, just appears. That's really ridiculous. I've said that <laughs> I love so that. But I don't know. Sometimes when you have a headache, it does feel like something's just trying to get out. So. Right. I can feel that, but I hope it's not one of these creepy-ass scarabs, because they're disgusting. No, man. I mean, oh, it, look, if one of those was in one of us, I mean, that would be a damn mess. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because we would need that to go. Yeah, that would you need know? to happen. Oh, I really do like how they dealt with like mythology in this, because mm-hmm. it's a very pop culture way to do it yeah like um i really enjoy the character of evelyn or evie mm-hmm. so it's rachel vice this may have been like her first big movie um that i remember seeing mm-hmm. um but i thought she was really fun in this because she's like this librarian yeah and she wants to like you know do archaeology and stuff but she hasn't like no field experience so she's really just like a bookish kind of a person 
But the books in this are, like, what causes all the trouble. Yeah. You know? And I really enjoy that. Um, And I enjoy her character being, like, a librarian. Because I'm, like, a book person, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's always, like, these books I read that start out with somebody, like, reading a book that they shouldn't have read. Right. And it opens up a whole can of worms. And, like, the whole story is based on that. And in a way, that's kind of what happens here. She's going looking for the Book of Amun-Ra, and they actually find the Book of the Dead, and she's just too psyched to read this book, and it brings back <laughs> Imhotep, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is great. I kind of love it. Well, it's funny, because this is stuff that I, I wanted to point out. So, there are a lot of jokes about Americans. Oh, God, film. I okay. love that. Yeah, it was so funny. Right, so Jonathan and Evie when they're trying to get the sarcophagus from underneath. Yeah, you know, Anubis. And and, yes. Yeah. And, you know, they have all these things about, you know, these Americans are the worst. Yeah. And what I enjoy is that we have these three American characters, okay? We have uh, Mr. Daniels, Mr. Henderson, and Mr. Burns. And so we have these three characters, and they're really well played, and and we enjoy them. But there's this real, like, generic kind of (laughs) feeling about them. They're they're not Americans. They're kind of like Genericans. (laughs) They are. You know? And it's like... These three guys, you know, just aren't smart enough to put any of this together. So that's why they have Dr. Chamberlain, who is an Englishman, who was smart enough <laughs> to read the thing. So it's like... They needed someone intelligent, so they had to get a British person. Right? Yeah, I love that, too. Well, I and, mean, and they're kind of like these different stereotypes as well. Yeah. Like, um, Henderson is the blonde guy. He's kind of like... He makes me think, actually, of the book Dracula and the American character Billy, I think, from Dracula. The name, I've got nothing, but I know what you're talking about. It's the American one, but he was, like, from the West, and he's kind of like a cowboy. And this guy kind of is, like, this cowboy-ish type of character. That's, yes. He read to me as cowboy very much also. Yeah, and then you have, like, um, Burns as kind of the nerd guy. Well, he has glasses. Of course, that makes him a nerd. And then you have Daniels, and I don't really know what type he is. He seems more like a city guy. You know, he felt like military. I mean, that that's kind okay. of the, the vibe I, I got from him, because that's one of the things I wanted to pay attention to were these three American characters, because I wanted to see what is it? You know, I would say with Henderson, it almost seems like another version of Rick, you know, and I felt like with. Um, oh, shoot. I always screw up Daniels. I feel like Daniels is is military. And he has suspenders, I believe, in most of the scenes that we see him in. At least two different occasions, I'm pretty sure that no, I saw he does. it. Yeah. And then we also had Henderson, which had suspenders. Right? And Burns, I don't... Did he have suspenders, too? I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's like... I, I don't know. But <laughs> this is funny. So, Imhotep is taking care... Well, taking care. haha. He's murdering the people that have disturbed him. Yeah, he needs their, I don't know, life force, I guess. And their body parts. And their body parts to regenerate himself. 
Well, what I want to ask Imhotep is, why the fuck do you take down the guy with glasses that can't see an inch in front of his face? And that's the eyes that you pick. Correct. Like, why did he do that? Like, of those three American guys, okay, we'll take his tongue. I think that he probably, you know, is is the best in that area, right? Like the smartest. Yeah. Because he has glasses. Of obviously. course. I mean, that's it. But then here's this. Then why didn't Imhotep take the glasses? You know what I mean? Why didn't he yeah. just put those put those on for a little bit until he got like? And then I mean he keeps re-upping, so I'm guessing all the other energy, you it's know, kind get, of repairing the optic nerve so that he can see well, I guess. Or maybe he swaps out eyes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just you know I just felt like that was hilarious that that was like his first takedown. <laughs> it's a good point. And like, why would you take that guy's eyes? I don't know. They're I mean, the I worst guess ones. Yeah, but I guess something is better than nothing, right? Yeah. Because he's just like, yeah, he doesn't have much going at that point. It's funny that you said that Henderson reminded you of Rick because the guy that played Henderson, Stephen Dunham, mm-hmm. auditioned for the part of Rick. You see, I could have seen that. I could have easily seen that. And they ended up creating the part of Henderson, which wasn't even in the movie, because they didn't give him Rick, but they really liked him. Well, it's great that they have those three American characters, because it's another stake in the fire with trying to get Imhotep's treasure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what pushes the story forward, because Mm -hmm. you have that camp of the Americans, and then you have rick evie and jonathan mm-hmm. who were also trying to get the treasure so you know and of course the americans group is led by benny benny oh we haven't even talked about benny the terrible now, frenemy i guess i'd say of rick yeah who they were both in this french foreign legion together at the beginning mm-hmm. when they discovered hominoptera benny is like the perfect slime ball he is <laughs> constantly constantly letting people down yeah and rick in particular yeah anytime rick needs him for something he's nowhere to be found because he's just slammed his way out of it that's like from the beginning of the movie he says to benny like you better be behind me on this benny's like running immediately before the sentence is even out of his mouth yeah and then benny runs into uh, building a temple you know and you know rick's like hold the door for me and he slams the door slams in his face it. yeah immediately it, yeah and i mean kevin j o'connor is an amazing actor you know he's great in everything he he's one of these type of actors and he really embraces oh, yeah. the full commode <laughs> of this character like benny is like uh, uh, just the perfect toilet. <laughs> and I, I love him for it because it's just so well done. Oh, yeah. Well, it it, it it serves him throughout the movie. Yes. Because there's the one part where the mummy is like in his face, like Imhotep is like in his face. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he kind of cheesed out when they were opening up like this um, box or whatever that was cursed. Right. And that's why it had like the the Coptic jars with like the organs and everything in it. And the Americans plus the Egyptologists are the ones who open it and are the ones who get cursed. Benny is like out the door when he hears curse. He doesn't want any part of it. But then Imhotep like confronts him 
and he starts pulling out every religious like um symbol on a necklace yes he has like every one <laughs> because he doesn't really believe in any of them no not at all but it's just like to help him get out of trouble and he finally pulls out like the star of david mm-hmm. and because Imhotep recognizes that as the hebrew slaves he thinks oh this guy i can enslave him to do my bidding and he offers him gold and benny's like oh yeah sure sounds good because that's benny benny yeah benny is is like a, a cockroach he will always survive and he is this character that just causes so much trouble in the story and rick is just like a saint because the way he behaves with him (laughs) you know benny has put his life in danger knowingly so many times and we see that from the beginning of the story he is not trustworthy he you know really doesn't have a, a spine he only has his own interests and he has no problem letting anyone else perish Mm-mm. as long as he's okay. So it's, I, I mean, I, I'm very, like when we watch the movie, I'm just so surprised that Benny is given so many chances yeah. by Rick. It honestly doesn't even make sense, but it's just kind of like part of the movie. Yeah. Is that he just keeps letting him have the opportunity to change, even though he never changes. Well, the character of Benny reminds me of Ghostbusters 2. Do you remember the Peter McNichol character in Ghostbusters 2? Yes. Yes. That That's who I think of. The relationship that he had with Vigo, it's it's very similar to me. There, there's like, I'm like, okay. And it also makes me think about Dracula, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, yeah. You know? And it makes me think about Renfield. Renfield. So it's... This is like a character that we're very familiar with. And also this story, you know, the original film was in 1932. Mm-hmm. And that was a Boris Karloff film. Okay. And, um, you know, in all of those old monster movies, there's just always a henchman, right? Yeah. Well, we have kinda... Igor, yeah. right? Always. Always. There's always, there's always something. Now, I have not seen the original 1932 film. I haven't either. I I haven't seen a lot of those old monster movies. So that was written by John L. Balderston. And this person is very interesting because he actually worked as a foreign correspondent when they opened uh, King Tut's tomb. Oh, God. That's insane. Right? So it's like originally when he was writing The Mummy, he was thinking about a Boris Karloff monster film. But then he thought back to his experience in Egypt, and he thought, hey, let's bring this into it. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, and I like how this is period, you know, it's set back then. Because we saw the other Mummy movie that just came out, the Tom Cruise one. Yes, we did. Yeah. And, you know, I actually didn't hate that movie. I think a lot of people I enjoyed it. I thought it was just a fun kind of thing. Yeah. But I like how they brought, how this movie was set in like the early 1900s where, you know, they were discovering real stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, in Egypt at the time. Yeah. Although I'm not sure how like legal or cool it was (laughs) that people are like going into the pyramids and like cracking them open. Because honestly, you're really just grave robbing. Yeah. But at the same time, there's like, so much history involved mm-hmm. with us that's so interesting yeah that 
you know, we've just discovered so much about Egyptian ritual and belief from, you know, understanding the mummification and all these rituals and everything. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Because Egypt was kind of around for a really long time. I don't think we think about it that way. No. You know? No. I mean, the the whole grave robbing aspect of it is not cool. It's difficult because when I think of going to a tomb, you know, seeing a mummy, I think about an adventure. That's the first thing that always comes into my head Mm -hmm. is like, you're going to go on this whirlwind adventure. You're going to see things no one else has ever seen in their lives. You know, you're going to get to experience that, you know, it's, yeah. I, well, I, it's it's I'm interested in history mm-hmm. and I think you are to some extent as well. Yeah. But it's like archaeology, which I'm sure is romanticized way more in the movies than it really is in real life. Sure. I mean, I'm sure it's still cool cuz you're still finding all these artifacts and stuff, but archaeology is a way of like having history be like super immediate because you're like seeing what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Like you and I have gone to different places where you can see like dig sites and archaeological remains of buildings and things like that. We did that when we were in Utah Mm -hmm. and saw all those buildings of this like uh, prehistoric civilization or whatever. And it was super cool because it makes you more conscious of how these people were actually living their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what I get excited about. Um, A point that I was making a second ago that I just wanted to underscore was about the time frame thing mm-hmm. the real Imhotep was a real historic figure and pharaoh seti was also a historic figure okay but they didn't live at the same time mm-hmm. pharaoh um was a pharaoh about 1300 years after Imhotep had died oh wow so that's what i'm trying to say like the united states for example has only been here since like you know the 1700s mm-hmm. so we're running around 300 years egypt we're talking about another thousand years than that just between these two historical figures wow that's yeah wow <laughs> well yeah, wow yeah that's a lot yeah i read that and i was like oh whoa, whoa. yeah that's um, kind of where i'm, I'm like bah, 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 bah. yeah it was pretty crazy um well this is another thing i want to bring up in terms of preserving learning when i think of archaeology i think of indiana jones always and in the indiana jones films everything that he got he put in a museum he didn't want anything for himself he wanted to discover it and share it because he was also a teacher yes you know so it's like at the very beginning of raiders of the lost ark you know where we have that great boulder scene right and he gets the gold statue. He's in there with Alfred Molina, which in many ways is like is like Benny. Benny, yeah. yeah. It's a similar thing. You know, Benny just wanted, you know what I mean? The money, the reward. And Indiana Jones wanted the artifacts so we could take it back. Yeah. I mean, that's... And we will talk more about that. Da-da-da! Next Da-da-da! week when we do Writers of the Lost Art. That is correct. So the Magi, they are here to make sure that no one unearths Imhotep. Yeah. Because they know it's a supreme evil. Yeah. And I mean, I guess they grew out of the Pharaoh's guard. 
Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of like the descendants of the Pharaoh's Guard. And they are tasked with making sure that nobody discovers Hominoptera. Nobody gets into the old tomb. Nobody brings Imhotep back. Yeah. And honestly, there's a lot of steps that have to happen for them to be able to bring Imhotep back. Yeah. It, it's not just like, oh, oops, just <laughs> accidentally tripped over this lever and now Imhotep's back, you know. Like, all this stuff has to happen, but the Magi keep not being able to prevent the American team and the Rachel Weiss team from doing all this stuff, so... Well, and the American team is like... I just thought about this again. When they open this cursed box, it says on this box, if you open this, you are going to die. Yeah. Would you open that? No. Like, who the fuck would open that? I mean, I certainly wouldn't jack it open right there. Yeah, yeah. And I might take it somewhere else. (laughs) Just privately, like, sneak a peek. Or maybe just get somebody else to open it. Just don't (laughs) tell them what it says on there. Sneaky. Hey, Joe, (laughs) Joe, I just... I'm going to be gone for the week. Um, I have a package. If you could just open that up for me in the living room, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, just make somebody you don't like open it. <laughs> oh, man. Then you get what you want. And... <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Watch know? out if you get a package from Georgia. You're not <laughs> expecting everybody. You know, we don't know. We don't know what's going to be in there. Yeah, you know? I mean, I do have to say, like, it's hard, though, because... I'm a very curious person. Yeah. And again, this is how I relate to Evie. You're telling me that you have this Book of the Dead that I can open with this awesome key. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to open it and read it. I'm going to open it and read it. Like, get over yourself. Yes. I, I have curiosity, too. I, I also have curiosity. But I, I think that... Uh life preservation <laughs> would, would outweigh yeah, it. Yeah, would outweigh it. You Probably know? with the box, I agree with you. Yeah, like the box. The book, no promises. Well, if the book doesn't say you're going to die if you open it, I mean, you know, I take a peek. I mean, it's called the Book of the Dead, so I think there's an implication. Why? I mean, they're dead. What are they going to do? <coughs> I mean, a lot, I guess, is the answer to that question. <laughs> but, you know, my, my head would be like, oh, Book of the Dead, okay. This might be like burial rituals, or this might be locations of famous, important people in their history. You know, yeah. things like that. Like, I wouldn't think to myself, this is a book that can resurrect an ultimate evil. It's got, like, incantations to resurrect the dead. I mean... I wouldn't do that part. I wouldn't do that part. But that's like, Evie immediately does that part. Like, opens the book, incantations, the plagues start up again. They just immediately get visited by grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is one time when the Egyptologists actually seem to know... That, that this was a bad idea, because he's like, yells out that Evie shouldn't be reading it. That was like... The Egyptologist, I mean, okay, when he's like talking down to Evie because she's a woman... Yeah. You know, I'm just like, okay, you're, but, I thought you were I mean, the worst But, I mean, it's anyways. the early 1900s, so... Yeah, but... That's definitely, uh, you know, you still acceptable behavior I at s- the time. still think you're a D. Well, you know? and that's why the... Probably why the Bembridge scholars won't let her in. Yeah. You yeah. know, because she's a girl. Right. Well, I mean, we also have, you know, a situation where 
we see Dr. Chamberlain. Uh, well, we don't see it. We just kind of see the after effects, you know, of him being desiccated. Yeah. You know? I mean, and he let the Americans open that thing up and he was kind of in on it. He would, well, yeah, okay. So he's like, it's like you open this, you die. And then he ran away. And then the Americans. No, oh. Benny ran away. He was still there. Oh, he was still. Oh, that shows you what I know. For some reason, I thought he ran away, too. Okay. No, he just told them what it said, and then they were like, we don't give a shit. And <laughs> That's... it's like, all right, yeah. do what you want. And yeah. then, like, done. They're like, they're fucking, like, ancient beer in here. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there, like, a, is there, like, a golden cowboy hat in this shit? <laughs> I mean, they were just looking for, they were looking for treasure, like, that was the whole deal with the Americans. It's, I mean, always is the whole deal with Americans, you know? Yeah. Where's the treasure? We'll run over whoever we have to to get it. And this box that they found, and, you know, it's not really, like, the treasure. There is a treasure there that they find later. Yeah. That Rick and Jonathan and Ardeth find later. But these guys just find this box, and they're kind of like... What is this? A book? Like, they yeah, don't care. That... <laughs> Americans getting really mad at a book. Yeah, what's this book business, dude? <laughs> They're like, what we don't this? know how to read. Like, get out of here. Well, it's interesting, going back to this Indiana Jones discussion, because I feel like in this film, they took the character of Indiana Jones and they cut it in half. Because Evie is a librarian, and she has all of that knowledge. Yeah, she's like the scholarly side yes. of Indy. And then we have... Rick, who's the adventure side. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's interesting how they they did that, and they, they, they flipped it around. Well, I, like I don't want to jump into Raiders too much, but like Marion is kind of like full adventure. Oh, yeah. You know, so Marion and Rick kind of are more similar, in a way, in wow. that way. So, the, the, all yeah, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah. Over, we'll save that for next week. Yes, yeah. There's going to be a ton. There's going to be a ton to talk about between these two films. But yeah, yeah, this is interesting. We're opening a door, and it's not cursed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't say that we're going to be killed. No, we so we're cool it, opening. So that's good. It. Yeah. Guys are cool to listen to the podcast. There's nothing cursed. This podcast okay. is not currently cursed. No, there's no, there's nothing cursed. No one's getting desiccated. It's totally cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're Just not gonna, have some tea, relax. We're not going to take your life force or no, whatever. No, no. But if you do want to leave us a review on iTunes, would be very <laughs> grateful. So just, if you ever are thinking, hey, what am I going to do this afternoon? Think to yourself, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and give those guys a review because that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, and if you don't, then I might just send a package to you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what's in it. So. I, I, I can't stop her, guys. Think it I over. can't stop her. I mean, you know, just... Uh, just think it over. <laughs> Whatever. What do you want to do? Right? Whatever the choice is, it's cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, we really appreciate all of you listening to us every week. It's been really great. All the people that have reached out and asked us how we were feeling, you know, uh, very cool. We really like it. We like doing this. We're happy to be able to get back in here and, and talk about movies, you know? It, it's funny because it's like we're in our closet, right? And sweating. <laughs> sweating profusely. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, and you could see, like, videos of us doing it. And um, it, it somehow still feels like we've got, you know, a bunch of our friends here. And it's it's a great feeling, and we, we really enjoy it. So uh, 
Thanks for listening. Now that sounds like the end of the show. It but... sure did. I didn't mean to like. <laughs> Just, you know what I mean? It's, I was just going to say, you know, and, you know, we're going to still keep talking for a few more minutes. It sounds like I'm running like a fucking pledge drive. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, what else do we do we want to say about the mummy? Well, I mean, the mummy, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool that he has these different stages of development in the film. I'm a huge fan of that. How we see him go from being like this burnt out corpse i know he wasn't burnt but he it, it's just like all black and what juicy it's juicy. So, so weird to me that or term gooey they say gooey yeah somebody else is gooey i i wouldn't have, i would have said crispy that's what he looked like to me he looked like he had been in a fire you know what i mean I it looked like, like an ember muddy. he looked like mud yeah he looked like i don't know he didn't he didn't look juicy i don't i don't know I don't what know. that's all it about. was gross i mean he did have he <laughs> i just keep thinking it was Zoolander quotes for some reason. All right. So I was thinking, like, water is the essence of wetness. <laughs> like, he looked wet. That was gross. But yeah, so I liked it how they added all these layers of him, too. I mean, yeah. this was like an earlier kind of like heavy duty CGI kind of movie. Sure was. And at the time, I thought nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Like, now I do think that it's funny to watch because it feels old. Yeah. In that respect, because the CGI looks older. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the time, it was, like, hot shit. Yeah. To have this stuff happening. Like, those beetles scared the shit out of me. They looked super real at the time. That big, like, mummy face coming at you? Yeah, like the sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff was super awesome. And I think that one of the big reasons that Arnold Vosloo was cast as the mummy is that he could open his mouth that wide. <laughs> You know? I love that you keep thinking. You I keep... do think that, and I think that like people were like seen for this role, and they're like, "Let's get Arnie in here. Do do the See mouth how thing. The mouth is. Yeah, do the mouth thing." Mouth and people measuring. like, "Oh, that's it." You know, but I I think Arnold Vosloo is an amazing actor. And I, I mean, loved him in this, and I yeah. mean, I anytime I see him in anything else, all I think about is this. I'm like, oh, it's M Hotel. <laughs> you know? I think about Hard Target. That's the first thing I think about. Okay. So in Hard Target. The villains are played by Arnold Vosloo and Lance Henriksen. And these guys had such a great on-screen rapport that when they when they delivered the original cut, it was just kind of like, you know, a movie about these villains and it you know what I mean, it wasn't really focused on <laughs> on Van Damme. So it's like they had to to cut it down. But when you go and you watch Hard Target, it's just like, wow, you know, it, it's amazing. I mean, maybe it didn't get to a point where they delivered an edit like this, but maybe when they were looking at the footage, they realized, oh, man, you know, this is not a film about these villains, <laughs> as charismatic as they may be. And I also think about Arnold Vosloo in Blood Diamond. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is very, very good. He's an excellent actor. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think he's so great in this, especially now when I watched it. I felt, like, super sympathetic to him, like, the whole time, because he is playing it as him being the hero of the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't see that he's doing anything wrong, Mm -hmm. because he is fighting for the love of his life, and afterlife, actually, um, because Anoxuna Moon is who he cares about, and he wants to, you know... The whole thing is that they did what they did, knowing that she was going to get killed, and he said, I can resurrect you. Yes. So, like, his whole entire purpose is just to do that. And, you know, the fact is, 
in his own eyes, he's the hero of the story. And this time I kind of went with him on that. I was just like, all right, let's see what happens, you know? And that doesn't make me not like uh, Rick and Evie and everybody, but it's just, it's funny because I don't think it's as black and white as I initially took it to be when I watched this movie the first time. Sure, sure. Or how the movie is portraying it. I mean, because you do have, like, these modern-day heroes with the Magi, with Ardeth, who you really like, with also the professor there at the library. Whose name is Dr. Bay. Yeah. But the Bay is spelled differently than Ardeth Bay. I, this is kind of a relic of old stuff. Mm-hmm. Because there was a character, I guess, in the 1932, mm-hmm. who was called R. Bay. Oh, and this is R. Death B. A. Y. Bay. Okay. But then you have Dr. Terrence Bay, um, who works in the library, who's spelled B. E. Y. Bay. So, I don't know. I think they were just kind of messing. Okay. Okay. Um, What's really nice in this film is that all of these characters have have an arc i mean every single one of these characters really has a story like even some it's of true. the smaller characters like wendell the pilot winston shit <laughs> <laughs> you know jimmy smokes the fucking pilot you know him he's the good shit Don't all right laugh. <laughs> oh, i'll laugh i'll cough okay so, uh, Winston, the pilot, I mean, that is a great story, you know? Yes, and it's a very small piece of this altogether, mm-hmm. but it's a great example of what you're saying, that, like, you have every single character has kind of their own motivation, their mm-hmm. own little mini tale yeah. that goes with them. And, yeah, they we meet him way late in the movie. Yeah. Drinking in the bar, mm-hmm. you know, he's hilarious. Yeah. And... He is stumbling into the fountain every time he walks by it and saying that somebody spilled their drink. Um, But his whole thing is that he's miserable because he has no adventure in his life anymore. And he wished that he died in battle like his friends. Yes. And then, you know, they kind of bring him in and they have this great little scene where, you know, Evie and Benny have been sucked up into the sandstorm because... Imhotep is taking them back to Hominoptera, mm-hmm. and he travels via turning into sand and mm-hmm. being a tornado. And so, you know, they're there, and they're trying to figure out, the rest of the people are saying, how can we get there? How can we get back to Hominoptera? And they enlist Winston, and they fly there in his little kind of twin-engine plane with Winston in the driver's seat, Rick in the back, and Ardeth Bay... And Jonathan are strapped to the wings. Oh, man. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Very much. Very but much. But Artith Bay loves it. Yeah. It's hilarious. He's back in action. <laughs> and he gets what he wanted. He yeah. gets to die. And it's, you know, in this heroic way because he was able to bring our heroes to stop the villain. So yeah. it's it was a really nice story. I mean, not everyone has you know, some dynamic turn. And, you know, so not everyone has an arc. I mean, for instance, when I think about the American adventurers, I mean, that's static. We want money. We want money. 
I'm yeah. scared. But I'm they dead. still have like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yet. that's something. But they still have a big backstory. Like you yeah. still really get to know who they are. Yes. The warden has like a lot. The warden has so much more than than you ever thought because that seemed to me just like a a, a gateway character. Like you needed him because we needed to have you know a way for Rick to get out of prison, you know. And this is just somebody that gets bribed. And then it's like this person comes on the adventure and they are fun. You know, that actor is hilarious. He's super funny. What's his name? Uh, Omid Jalili. Yeah. Now that guy, it also said, is a stand-up comedian. I would totally go see him do stand-up. I bet he's hilarious. I bet he's great. Because I thought he was super funny in this. I enjoyed it the heck out of him. Yeah. I mean, I would say maybe overall, the character that I feel like I understand the least is a Noxuna Moon. Mm -hmm. um, Because I don't feel like we really are allowed in to her psyche. All I really know about her is that she's super set with Seti. Yeah. And I don't blame her. Yeah, because it's terrible. And she loves Emotep. Yes. Which, again, I don't blame her, because mm-hmm. he seemed pretty cool as far as, like, their relationship went mm-hmm. and devoted to her. So, you know. And I thought the actress was good. Yeah. And she had to, like, tool around in, like, gold body paint and not much else. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that I find funny. I think a lot of people really love this movie because they, like, really were attracted to the people in it. I saw, like, a really funny meme. That said, my sexuality is the cast of 1999's The Mummy. <laughs> and they just have, like, a picture of Rachel Weisz, Patricia Velasquez, who plays the Noxuna Moon, Arnold Vosloo, um, Brennan Fraser, and uh, Oded Fair on there. And then people were like, oh, don't sleep on uh, John Hanna, who played Jonathan. So I like, put him on there, too. So I just think that's really funny. Because I think people from our generation and a little bit on either side of our age were watching that (laughs) because they put, like, a lot of hot people in it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of movies that pull people in for for different reasons. And beautiful people, that that seems to be a a constant, you know? Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah. I also think it's very interesting that the character of Jonathan Carnahan... Uh, well, the actor himself looks so much like Buster Keaton. Yes. I mean, and he's very funny, like, physical comedy kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Um, Like, I really enjoyed when they, you know, they're on the boat. They're on the boat, I guess, presumably going down the Nile mm-hmm. toward Hominoptera. And the boat catches on fire because the Majid go in there and they're trying to get the map and the key mm-hmm. from Evie. And, you know, this whole room is on fire, and this Majid is trying to get, you know, the the key off the ground, and Jonathan, like, blows into the room and, like, knocks him into the fire, like, on accident. And then he goes out, you know, there's this whole chase and all this stuff going on, and he's out on the boat deck later, and the guy is in flames and shows back up. And this is, like, right after Jonathan's, like, looking at the Americans they're shooting, and he's like, ugh, Americans, you know? And then this guy's, like, on fire and comes at him, and the Americans shoot him. And then suddenly he thinks Americans are great. (laughs) And and then he has also managed to get the key back off the guy. And he's like, aw, and I didn't get, you know, 
freaked out at all or whatever. And then he gets blown off the boat and it's super hilarious. He's a good character. He's fantastic. He's he, fantastic. He was in Four Weddings and a Funeral. He was great in that. Ah, show. okay, yes. okay, okay. Oh man, he was great in that. That's another like touchdown of a film. I like that I call films a touchdown when I don't watch football or <laughs> That's all right. really you know, know anything. You know, oh, no, films are. I know the basic rules, but I, I'm not like, I'm not like the guy you go to about football. Like, <laughs> how was the game? You know, like I, I'm not that guy. I also enjoy in this film the cat and the, the significance <laughs> yeah. of the cat. So at the very beginning of the film, when Pharaoh comes in, Anoxana Moon has her arm on this large statue of a cat. Yes. Okay. And then, much later in the film, when Imhotep is back, you know, as the mummy, I guess, um, the cat is terrifying to him until he's back completely you know mm -hmm. he has everything you know resurrected rejuvenated restored on his body i don't know why but i just loved the fact that in one scene rick just held a cat out and it made imhotep like lose it he's like i gotta go rick loved it too he was like why is he afraid of cats you know <laughs> and they're like because they're the guardians of the underworld and he just then uses the cat as a weapon i love that i love that I mean, I think we should probably spend a little bit more time singing the praises of Brendan Fraser. In this Let's do it. Let's do it. Because I just think he was fantastic. Yeah. And I know they looked at a lot of other people for this movie because I read the IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. And had a lot more people that they were thinking about and they ended up going with him because I think he had just done George of the Jungle and he was like in super good shape or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why they picked him. But I just think he nails like the stunts and comedy kind of one-two punch so well. And I just think that's kind of hard to balance sometimes. Sure. Especially when you're stepping into the shoes of somebody else. Like, and this is a very, like, Harrison Ford type of role. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he manages to do it really well, even though I would never say he's, like, a Harrison Ford type. Like, because he seems friendlier frankly <laughs> i mean like harrison ford is kind of like uh, no bullshit yeah. i guess and like everything like han solo no bullshit mm -hmm. indiana jones no bullshit mm -hmm. but brendan fraser is kind of like okay a little bullshit is okay you know sure and i just really i think he's great in this I like the relationship that he builds with Rachel Weisz. I think that they both are really good together. Great chemistry. And, you know, it also just seems like they're having a lot of fun mm -hmm. in this movie, which I like. Um, but, yeah, I think he's really well cast, and I'm really glad he ended up being the person for this movie. I also enjoy, and this is a small thing, but I just really enjoy the fact that it's always like he's got two guns going at all times. It's not just like he's going to have one. He's got two guns. And then when those two guns are done, he's got two more guns. Yeah. You know? Well, he has that whole, like, leather, like, I don't know what you would call it. Roll? Yeah, it's like a roll of guns. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's unlimited amounts of guns and they throw away guns yeah which is also interesting well like, that was another part with john hannah with jonathan where he like you know when they're they're in the treasure room mm -hmm. and the zombie mummy dudes start coming out of the ground yeah 
um, they start shooting them, and Jonathan grabs the pistols out of, like, the holsters on Rick, mm-hmm. and then once he's out of ammo, he just throws the pistols at them, too. I, I think it's pretty great how that's done, and I think Brendan Fraser, I think Rick does the same thing in, in certain scenes. When the ammo is out, they just drop the guns. Yeah. You know, and it's it, like it's, a video game. It is. And I kind of love it for that fact. And it's like, you know, when you got somebody with two guns all the time, you're like, wow, this guy is really mowing down the baddies. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is like it was different because you can't help. Oh, man, here I am back on Indiana Jones, but it's super fast. So with Indiana Jones, right? What was what was the thing? The whip. Right. We had the whip and the gun, but the whip was really the thing. The gun Mm -hmm. was, you know what I mean? And I felt like with this character, the two guns was his signature. Yeah. Well, and he starts out the movie as like the French Foreign Legion guy. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense that he's like a gun guy Mm -hmm. because he was in the Foreign Legion. Talking about Brendan Fraser is a big deal because this is a person that when we were growing up, we had the benefit of a lot of films with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we didn't really have a lot of films with him. And it was something where it was like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, bring back Brendan like Fraser. Like, you miss him because yes. he's very genuine. I really like him for that. Yeah, he's excellent. And he is very, very good with the humor in this. Just like you said. Yeah. Well, there's and... multiple times where he just yells yeah. at someone like the mummy like yells in his face and he just yells back <laughs> i love that and then he shoots him with the shotgun yeah that's amazing <laughs> it was good that's up my alley like that's my that's my kind of humor right there you know and i also really like him in the scene with rachel vice where she's drunk yeah <laughs> and rachel vice has that great line oh shit let me see if i can do it um you wouldn't expect to find a place like me and a, and girl, a girl like, like this. this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's poor it's paraphrase. A place like this and a girl like me or something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was very funny. It was great. And it was just the way that it was, that it was handled. Like I love the fact that he was good with these, these romance moments and he didn't like, you know, turn it into like, how do I explain it? Like he was still able to keep, this action figure that we've been presented with yeah he's not he doesn't turn sappy correct that's what that's that's kind of you know what i'm looking for but actually speaking of the alcohol okay (laughs) so the warden's bottle uh, correct that's whose it is so jonathan finds it after the warden has passed away because of the beetle incident and it's like he cuts his hand and again we don't see blood that's pretty cool with Jonathan that he doesn't bleed. He doesn't bleed. I dig that. I dig that. It's I wish good. I had that. And so he pulls out a bottle of Glenlivet, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And it's like right at the mouth, there's like a chunk taken out and there's a cork in it. And then everyone just keeps drinking from this bottle. And like, you know, it was like, man, you're going to cut your lip. I would have cut my lip. You brought up an amazing point. Yeah, where'd the glass go? Is it in the bottle? <laughs> right. But like, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because these people don't bleed. No, ex- so well, sh- I, you know, thank you. They that have no solves fear. No, fine. Jonathan, fuck. I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, I wish I had that. I mean, I've got so many scars on my body from foolish things over the years. <laughs> I would have loved it. Yeah. No just, bleed, no scar. You're fine. Don't that's worry great. about it. That's yeah. great. No, but I did find that like a little jarring. I, every time they were drinking out of it, I was like, uh, 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 and then yeah. I... 
you know, nothing would happen. <laughs> no, it was it was just like, you know, that could have been like, what if the booze was cursed? You know, <laughs> well, actually, you know what? In one scene, it was. You remember when they're drinking at the bar and everyone's like, oh, and they're like, it tastes like blood. Oh, Even though yes. it didn't look, nothing looked like blood. No. Well, did the fountain look like it had blood? Uh, maybe. I mean, but it was it just It didn't like, look like blood blood. It looked yeah. like maybe dirty water. <laughs> it's, I but don't yeah, know. those plagues are like, I think that that was a cool part too, because like, I don't know, especially when you're growing up at a, as a church going christian kid you hear about like the egypt plagues sure yeah um so and also if you're jewish too i guess so um i remember like hearing about the plagues and like that really got my imagination going because you like think about what it would be like you know yeah. you have all this happening so seeing that like happening again is crazy well when you see like dr chamberlain with all the oh, locusts God. on his face yeah oh Oh, oh. I mean, anyone can tell from this podcast that we're not bug people. No, we're not, we're not bug people. I'm not I'm not a drowning person either that has or really... a buried alive person. No, no buried alive this and hits a lot of. This hits a lot of our uh, uh, soft spots, this movie. <laughs> but there was no drowning in this. That was just one. But there was I... no bleeding anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no bleeding. Isn't that just great? It's a trade-off. I mean, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling to not bleed, <laughs> you know. And then, like, okay, so this is this is one. This is interesting to me. So, Imhotep gains power. Okay, there were some people that were trying to open what the wall, Imhotep's tomb, and they got sprayed. And it melted their face. What what was that? That was the they eventually it's it's the foot of the Anubis statue. Okay. That they eventually pull out and it has the Coptic jars and the Book of the Dead in it. Okay. When they first start opening it, it's booby trapped with salt and acid or something. Okay. And they get kind of burned up. So then those people that got burnt, and then basically everyone in, in the city turned into uh like a disciple of imhotep like yeah. one of his servants well the the salt people are a separate deal like they're done for oh okay because i saw some people that looked like they but had that was the boils plague one of the plagues oh, is boils oh thank and you blisters thank you so all those people got boils but somehow the boils also made them zombies for imhotep okay thank you because i i missed that i missed that funny story that i enjoyed that i read in trivia Mm -hmm. Um, there's a ride, the mummy ride at Universal. Oh yeah, I know that ride. And <laughs> there was like, uh, and initially when that first came out, it was very popular. So there were like these super long lines mm -hmm. and people were in line. And when they would like start moving, they would just start chanting Imhotep. Oh my God. In the line. Oh my God. I really liked it. Well, I'll talk about the mummy ride. I don't know if I've talked about it before. Um, I don't know if you have on this or not. You talked about it to me before. Yes, and, yes. And we wrote it when I went to Universal. Yes. But you had written it before. Yes. So I uh, have been on the Mummy Ride on three separate occasions uh, in my life at Universal Studios in Hollywood. Um, the first time I went on the Mummy Ride was with my mother. And when I was in line, I was just kind of scared, you know, because they have all like these light, like kind of whooshing sounds, you know, like air, like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. And so, 
you know, you get on the, the roller coaster and, you know, you're kind of going through what looks like a treasure room and you're like, okay, this is cool and all. And then they open up these doors and then there's just like darkness in front of you. And I think that we realize that the mummy is upset with us. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the roller coaster like shoots forward into the dark and then they have like all these black light effects and things. And, you know, I scare super easily. That That's very important for everyone. Else. Like I scare like super easy. So, um, you know, I'm going through this thing. And then you come to a halt and you hear the mummy's voice and he's like giving you the business. He's all set that you're there. And <laughs> and then like they say, he says he's going to release the Beatles. And so they have like these uh, little, I don't know, like pieces of paper or cloth, you know, and, and there's a fan that blows them and you feel them on your legs. So you feel like these bugs are coming on you. And I was like losing it. <laughs> like I couldn't stand it. And then it's like, then you go backwards and you're out. So uh, that was horrifying to me. You know what I mean? I think my mother, like, did a lot better than me <laughs> on the ride. Like, you know, she might have she might have screamed or something quick, but she was laughing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it worked out for her. Like a normal person. Like a normal human being. But for me, I did not feel that way. And so then in subsequent trips to universal studios hollywood this mummy ride would come up and i didn't want to say no to people because it's like you know okay we're going to try it out but at the same time like i really didn't want to get on this thing you know i like oh and i got bamboozled the first time with my mother as well because i was scared and i asked an employee i'm like is this scary you know and they're like Oh, no, this ride isn't anything. You know, it's like I just sometimes go on it on my uh, break. You know what I mean? I take it a couple times. I would have said that because I didn't think it was scary in the least. It was I had terrifying. fun. Oh. It's like the kind of scary that's a fun scary. No. I would have probably gotten right back on it after we got off, but I didn't really think it was scary. I thought it was just fun. But like. I'm a wuss. We're different. We're we're super different on what we find scary. Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, mean, we did go through the, through the horror house or the haunted <gasps> house thing. Oh my god! That you have to walk through, and you basically had your eyes. Closed. Yeah, I had my eyes closed, and I had my head down, and I had my arms on either side of Georgia, and we walked through. Yeah, you just had your hands on my shoulders. Yeah, just, it was sh just, shoulder, shoulders. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. You were just standing behind me with like your hands on my shoulders with your eyes closed. Yeah, I, I didn't want any part of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just like, no, no, no. I mean, there were a couple things at the end of that haunted house where you told me it was cool. There was like some dude juggling his foot. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, you know what funny. I mean? Yeah. So I tried to finish strong. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gain some face. But I mean, but, it was that was fun to me. I mean, it was scary, but it was fun. Well, also on that mummy ride, when I went back with my brothers, that was the second time I went. I think when I went with you it was the third time, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was on it three times. So when I went on it with my brothers, I was terrified. And what they actually do at the beginning of the mummy ride is they take a photo of you. And there's a photo of me with my arms crossed, my <laughs> eyes shut. Like, I am in full terror mode. My brothers are, like, just totally normal. You know what I mean? Everyone else, like a normal human being, smiling, having fun. I look like I'm going to be put to death. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, are you that scared of the movie? No, I don't like darkness. Darkness is a real problem for me. 
and it's like my imagination is my worst enemy and it's like if you're rocketing me into darkness i'm like no and then like you know when the the when i felt those things hitting my leg and like i was like no no like i i wanted it over with yeah um yeah i mean that's just my thing well it's funny because when we were watching this this time i did actually realize how much scarier it is oh yeah than i had ever thought because i almost always default thinking about this as like an action adventure Mm -hmm. but it is a horror movie as well like there are horror elements to it well that's the funny part because with horror films i'm not going to say like i'm invincible or something but you know it's like you know i'm in the theater right you know and i'm like okay you know i'm cool i'm in the theater or i'm in the living room you know, I can I can separate from it somewhat. I mean, if I'm like by myself and it's dark and I'm watching these things, like I did that a lot when I was a kid. There were a lot of horror movies on television, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, winter time in New England, right? It yeah. gets dark early. I'm watching like Friday the Thirteenth. I'm watching Howling. I'm watching The Shining, right? Yeah. And you know, my house growing up, I mean, we had a big yard, and there were like trees behind us, and people didn't really come down the street. You know, so it's just like, you know, I just kind of had the baseball bat next to me and like a <laughs> knife. This is not a joke. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when it's like real world stuff, when I'm like in a big creaky house by myself, I'll freak out. But, you know, when I'm in the apartment, I, I'm, I'm hanging out with somebody, you know, I'm at the yeah. theater. I'm all right. Yeah. Well, I think this is a great movie. Was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I mean, I really enjoyed this movie, and going back to it, it made me realize just how much fun this is. Yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia with this one. Mm-hmm. Just, I just remember really enjoying it. Um, I thought it was really imaginative. It captured my imagination. Yeah. Like, a lot of times when I see a movie, and this happens to me with books, too, mm-hmm. if I see a movie that I really like, it just really makes me makes my wheels turn in my head yeah and i think about it and i almost like you know spin off other stories of it in my head like i other people probably don't do this but like i you know like to just wool gather and daydream sure and so i i remember doing that with this movie like thinking about all these other you know facets of it that could become a different story and things like that so i i really enjoyed this i know you know i watched it when it came out of the theater and then i watched it again when it was on television as soon as possible because i really liked it and I've, I've seen this one a lot of times and it really does have like a nostalgia factor for me of just you know remembering how much fun it was to watch this and talk about it with my friends my family and yeah For me, it was something where I didn't see it at the theater, and I'm not sure why. It wasn't like a conscious choice, like I don't want to see it, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. This came out... came out right when you graduated from college. Yeah. At that point, when I got out of school, I was actually trying to get into graduate school. So I was spending all my time working on my uh, presentation materials for that, and I was also doing a lot of rehearsing um, for my audition. Yeah, it was a time where like I didn't really have um, much leisure time because I was just working so hard. So it, for me, this is something where I ended up catching it on video, and it was like I don't know, like I didn't even remember it. You know what I mean? That happened to me uh, when I was younger. I would be so busy sometimes I would miss things, and I remember seeing it at the video store. I'm like, oh yeah, and and so I went and I got it. 
and it was so good. And I had wished I had seen it in the theater, you know, to begin with. But it was just such a great adventure. Yeah, it, it really is. Anything else? No, I, I think that does it for me. I mean, this this was a fun one. I'm, I'm really glad that you suggested it. Because it's, again, it's something where I really, really like this movie. But for whatever reason, it, it's not the first one that pops off my tongue. Yeah. I think for me, because I saw it before I saw Indiana Jones. Yeah. It is probably looms larger a mm -hmm. little bit to me. Because, of course, I love the Indiana Jones movies, too. But sure. this kind of was like my first memory of like this heavy duty, like action adventure type of movie with like the archaeology kind of aspect to it and i really am interested in egyptian mythology and you yes. are too yes very and that's, much you know a big part of this so there's like that history angle and just you know it plays to my interests yeah um and i have like nostalgia for it so for me this was really fun and when i think about movies with sand yeah <laughs> this is kind of one of the first ones that pops up because it has like the big sandstorm and the mummy comes out of the sand and you know all of that stuff and it's a summer blockbuster so sun sand summer blockbusters yeah this works it's fantastic and i love the fact that we're dealing with a writer director yeah you know stephen yeah. summers directed it and he also wrote it you know and it it did take i think some elements from the the 1932 film but there was definitely a lot more added, you know, yeah, to this story. His vision clearly is maintained. Oh yeah, you know, and this was very successful, which is great, um, because then they made more, and you know, everybody was really happy with how it turned out. And I think that you know, it is well written. It's really well plotted. The characters are really interesting and fun, and it just does fire your imagination to watch it. Yeah, it's action, 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 action. Yeah. The way the information and the action are intertwined is what makes this such a gem for me. Yeah, I really liked it. So next week, we will be back to talk about more Sun and Sand with mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Like kind of the original super action adventure movie. Man, yeah, that, I mean, I've got a lot of great memories of that one. Yeah, I got a lot of great memories, and I do too. But they're just not very old. <laughs> I didn't see it until nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So we'll see you next week to discuss that awesome movie. Can't wait. Um, until then, stay comfy. Stay comfy, everybody.